0: Welcome to Church Project. We are a church, we're a gathering of people that love Jesus, and we want to know and love Him more. We love the mission of Jesus in the world, and we want to partner with Him in every way possible. We're also a project, and we're an ongoing pursuit to discover what Christ originally intended church to be, and so we gather in Sunday mornings like, like we are right now, and we listen to... A teaching, and we worship together, and we pray together. We also do our ministry partnerships, which is, Krista is one of those ministry partnerships with Young Life, and so we encourage everyone to be involved financially and relationally with our ministry partnerships, and you already are when you tithe, which is a wonderful and beautiful thing, and the other thing that we do is house churches, and so I encourage you, and we'll talk about this a little bit today about house churches, I encourage everyone to be part of of a house church. So today we're going to jump right in um, be- because I'm excited for this passage and I really can't tell you how far we're going to get in it. Is that okay? <laughs> Open your Bibles up to Acts chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 5 and I'm not going to commit to an ending verse. We're going to see how far this goes. This was a fantastic phenomenal message for me to be, um, to be working on this week. I say it quite often that I, I feel a little guilty that I'm up here teaching because I know that when I'm teaching, I am growing more in Scripture than anyone else because I've been called to teach. And so I sit with Scripture and I pray over Scripture. And so it comes alive in me first and foremost, and that's why I'm excited for this passage today. That's why I'm not going to put an ending verse on where we stop today. I'm prepared to give all the way through verse 12, but we may not make it there today. So let's just start right out. Acts chapter 4, verse 5 through 12. If you have a blue Bible, uh, they're in the rows next to you or back there. It's on page 630 of your blue Bible. So Acts chapter 4, verse 5 says this. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes, gathered together in Jerusalem with Ananias, the high priest, and and Caiaphas, is that how you say it? We'll we'll go with that. And John and Alexander, and all who were of the highly priest family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? We're going to stop right there. Let me set this up just in case you, you're not familiar with what's happening in this passage right now. John, Peter and John have just gotten finished giving a message to thousands of people because these thousands of people were drawn to them because as they walked into the temple court, the beautiful gate is what it's called, a crippled man is there. And Peter begins to pray over this man. The man gets up, and as Jabez taught us last week, the man begins to dance, and he's just celebrating. He can't be restricted because the Holy Spirit's moving in him. This whole crowd is coming. As Peter and John begin to proclaim, this is the second message ever given in church history. And right now, Peter and John has got the attention of the officials, you know, the police, the people. And so in verse 5 is where we encounter right here. And just to kind of set this up in its context, when we're we're looking at verse 5, it says, On the next day, the rulers and the elders and the scribes, those are actually specific offices of the time. And so as Peter and John are teaching, the rulers, the elders, and the scribes, which is known as the Sanhedrin, and we'll hear about this later on in Acts, is known as the Sanhedrin. These are the aristocratic Jews in power. These are the people that are aristocratic. They have all the power. They held all the economical, social, and political power within the Roman government. In essence, this is the Supreme Court in Jerusalem. So as Peter and John are speaking, thousands of people are getting this energy, and it draws the attention of What we will say, the Supreme Court of Jerusalem, the high people, the people that have the power, that have the authority. These people, the Sanhedrin, the people in charge of the temple, they were in charge of administering God's law. This is where you go when you have disputes. This is when you go when you're in trouble. (laughs) This is where you go in the Sanhedrin. These people are in charge of administering God's law. There's a writing called the Mishnah. Have you ever heard of the Mishnah? We've talked about it before. The Mishnah is nothing more than a bunch of rules and regulations. So in the Old Testament, the Mishnah, Moses was given the law by God. And along comes the Mishnah. The Mishnah is writings of how to abide by the law. So here's the Mishnah. Explanations, a lot of them about what the law is and how to live the law. Here's a great example. A Mishnah would be this, okay? Um, God, let's say, says, don't cross the street in your car unless it's green. It's not a rule, but we'll just use that as an example, okay? Well, then, that's the law. We know we're not supposed to cross the street unless the light is green, Wonderful. God, we want to obey this law. So we're going to go over here and we're going to write everything possible about how not to cross the street when the light is green. In fact, we want to make sure, God, that we're following your law. So we're going to add a law to the law, which is the Mishnah, all these laws upon what God said, that says, okay, when the light turns green, if you're a, a good follower of Christ, you're going to count to three before you begin. Just to make sure that we're not crossing the street until it's green. Not only that, we're going to add other laws to make sure we're not disobeying what God has. So, that's what the Mishnah is, and that's what the Mishnah was. And the people in, in the Sanhedrin, the rulers, the elders, the scribe, they were the ones that were in charge of administering God's law. Keep in mind, they have the Mishnah, though that they're following, that they've written on how to follow God's law. The Sanhedrin, so in the Mishnah, it reads that the council had 71 members in three categories. So the Sanhedrin had three categories, the priests, the elders, and the scribe. In order to be part of this Sanhedrin council, one had to have rabbinic learning, and to be, uh, to be part of this, you also had to be a true Israelite, of, of true Israelite descent. So in order to be on this Supreme Court that's administering God's law, you had to have rabbinic in you, training in you, and you had to be coming from a true um, ascent of the Israel Israelite. So, this uprise that's happening right now, That's happening with Peter as he's talking, and 5,000 plus people are gathering because a lame man walked. So when this happens, this uprising is happening, it's happening because there was a resurrection of Jesus, and this was threatening the power, a structure that the Sanhedrin had. Why were these leaders in the Sanhedrin, why were they so mad? Why wasn't this good news to them? Well, might I propose that one of the reasons it might not be good news to them is that especially for their vocations, they have a challenge now. Something is happening that's stealing their power, And their control, as they're the ones in charge of administering God's law. And so suddenly, the leaders and the rulers of the temple begin to notice that a power shift is happening. And it's slipping out of their hands. They're losing power. They're losing control. Because of two men speaking. You see what's happening right here? You see what's happening? This is basically kind of a new version of the Tower of Babel. It's man trying to be God. And the leaders in charge, the Sanhedrin, it's man trying to be God. It's man trying to control the ways and say, I know God gave us these beautiful laws to follow, but we're going to create the Mishnah, and we're going to create all this other stuff that you have to follow. And when they're not following that, and now they're starting to lose the power, you can see how even their vocations are being challenged. What am I going to do if I no longer am the one in charge? So let's read this again. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Ananias and the high priest and and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were in the highly priest family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Look in verse, in verse 7. The rulers, the elders, the scribes, they, they proudly asked, By what power or by what name did you do this? I just want to hit a pause and say, Who cares? Who cares by what power? Right? Put yourself in that place. How would you respond? If this morning you walked in to Church Project, Day Spring Christian Academy, and there's someone sitting at the door, then they've been sitting there for 40 plus years, and they can't walk. And one of us comes in, we'll say Jay comes in, and prays for this person, and by the power of God and the prayer of Jay, this man walks up and begins to walk. No, not walk, dance. Right? How would you respond? I know as the the ruler and leader of Church Project, my very last question would be, by whose authority did you do this? Man, we're dancing. We're moving the chairs out. We're dancing. We're having a party because God has moved in a powerful way. A dude that that was disabled is now dancing. And they are missing the point because of their pride. They're missing the point because of their pride. They're missing the point because the spirit that was in them had died in their lineage. I'm fairly confident to say and challenge me on this, that as these rulers and leaders and scribes are there teaching, that they don't have the spirit of God in them. If they had the Spirit of God in them, they would not care by what power are you healing and have you done this. They're celebrating and pointing to God. So the people in charge of administering the law of God don't even have the Spirit of God? How many of you have been to churches like that? Don't, don't, don't. (laughs) They are missing the point because the Spirit died in their lineage a long time ago. They are people far removed from where God intended them to be. I can say this because, because all of this points back to Numbers chapter 11, verses 16 through 17. And if it's in your blue Bible, it's on page 82. Numbers chapter 11, verses 16 through 17. This whole Sanhedrin thing, all the rulers, scribes, all these came from back in Numbers. And let's see how it happened. This is what it says in Numbers chapter 11, 16 through 17. says this, then the Lord said to Moses, "Gather for me seventy men of the elders of Israel. I notice in the Sanhedrin, seventy people, whom you know to be elders of the people and officers and officers over them." And bring them to the tent of the meeting. And let them take their stand there with you. And I will come down and talk with you there. And I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you. So that you may not bear it yourself alone. God structured way back then that this was going to happen and this was going to be a beautiful thing. And what happens in the end of this passage here in Numbers, God asked Moses to bring 70 leaders to help share the burden of the people with him as God's spirit moves through them. What does this mean for us today? I think it means a a lot of specific things for us today. We at Church Project have house churches and we have house church pastors For a very specific reason. Why? I'm fragile, I'm weak, and I'm tired. I'm a wimp. We have a low attendance today. But we have a lot of people here right now. A lot of people with stories. A lot of people with hurts and pains. A lot of people going through a lot of stuff. And quite honestly, if it was up to Moses, it was going to crush him. And God said, I'm going, to, I'm going to bring 70 people to come around you, and I'm going to minister his, my power through them. And their job is to do this life together and lead the church. And we can fast forward all the way to 2017. If we're waiting on just Aaron Havens to do this, we're in trouble. Like, we're, we're in trouble. So I ask this, and, I, and we say this often. It's even in our structure. I ask this. What house church are you part of? If not, why? Why? I know, how this goes. I know how this goes about for us. I've been in church long enough. If you're not part of house church, I don't know how long you'll be here. Because the moment that something happens in your life that's a deep, dark pain, you're going to reach out to Aaron and he might not be here. Or you might reach out to one other person that you casually have a relationship with and they may not be there. I can tell you where people go when dark things happen in their life. Uh, I'll tell you where they don't go. They don't go to the Chamber of Commerce. (laughs) They don't go to movie theaters. They don't go to the mall. They don't go to the libraries. No, in hard times, still today, in 2017, people come to the church. And if you're not invested in the church and in relationships with the church, then that means that you go to the website and you try to find my email or number because I'm the pastor. <laughs> and, and, if, and if I don't meet with you or you are mad at the church, then you're mad at Aaron or you're mad at Moses and you let it unleash and you're not in relationship with people and we've got a bad problem. God knew the structure. He knew what he was doing. He was saying, Moses, you can't do this alone. We are going to do something beautiful. We're going to structure this so it's God's people moving together. That happened back in Numbers. So you understand that? It happened because Moses was going to get crushed if he didn't do it this way. So I want to put that right here, that beautiful thought right here. We'll come back to that, okay? Because what I want to ask is, how do 70 people move from that to where they are in charge of killing Jesus? These are the people that were in charge back then. God's Spirit was moving through, administering the law of God. And these are the people that are responsible for killing Jesus. How do you move from that to where they're at right now? I'll tell you how good intentions with a lack of intentionality. We can do the same. We can say, I'm a, I'm a good Christian, I'm a good person, but we, it's good intentions to represent Jesus everywhere that we go. But slowly, over the years, we kind of move from that into where we're at now. And we look up and go, I was not intentional about a relationship with Jesus Christ. I was not intentional about a relationship with His church. I was not intentional about being part of a movement instead of a, just a consumer. That's how you move from there to hear I think this is a beautiful wake up call to us they took pride in their position and their calling and lost sight of their mission what started as a good God thing quickly became a bad personal thing maybe God has elevated you to leadership don't make it about you Don't make this life about you. I can look at this story, and I can look at how these men went from here to in charge of actually responsible of killing Jesus, and I can see it in my life. How how do we do this in our own lives? What has God given us that started really pure and really beautiful, only to find through time it became distorted and twisted? Are we living off of dead men and dead women's money? Are we living off of what happened back there in our life? Are we living off of the old things or daily? Are we embracing God and saying, God, I want a new thing. I want you to move to me and me today, right now, like you did in me way back here then. Think how the story would be different. If the 70 men that God said, I'm going to give a piece of my spirit to, with Moses, to administer the law, to lead his people, if their heart would have stayed close to him through the years. had a whole different story that we'd be reading today. Look in verse 8. But Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders okay let's look at the time decision time here let's 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 talk through this okay peter was filled with the holy spirit that means the holy spirit had left the 70 sometimes in the past Sometime from then till now, Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit had left these 70 people sometimes in the past. And the thing that I think is so sad about this, if you do the timeline of the Bible, this is only five to six generations from here to here. Five, six, maybe seven, if they were unhealthy. (laughs) Okay, That's not a long time. Five, six, seven generations of stories, and we no longer, there's stories that we're no longer telling of the freedom that happened back then. Okay. Slaves in bondage set free. Isn't that a good story to tell? And in the biblical times, Oral tradition is really all they had. Stories to tell of the theology of God and how he was moving and and what he had done in their lives. And and they would build things to remember. They didn't have Netflix to confuse them and distract them. They had a lot of time. They had a lot of campfire time. They had time together to tell stories. And somewhere along the five and six generations, they stopped telling the stories of how God had saved them and rescued them and set them free. And they end up here, forgetting where they came from. Church, don't get so caught up in today that you forget to train and pass down what is most important. I'm sure everybody had an excuse why they stopped telling the stories. They were too busy. They were running for office, whatever it may be. I'm sure the moments of today was pressing in them so much that they were too tired to tell the generations behind them what God had done for their life. I'm sure they had wonderful excuses. But at the end of the day, they stopped telling the stories of God's greatness and they found themselves right now in charge of killing Jesus. Don't get so caught up in today that you forget to train and pass down what is most important. I love our ministry partnerships, that, especially the ones that are working with the, the young kids, the junior high and high school and college, and you're telling the stories. Thank you for telling the stories. I love seeing in here on Sunday mornings the people in, in, little people in front of Jay just worshiping with Project Kids. I love telling the stories. I love passing it down. What's happening right now is Peter and John are telling a story. That's all they have. That's all they have is to tell this story, and they're telling it in a beautiful way. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they said to them, the rulers and the people of the elders, Peter and John are speaking directly to the highest people in charge, right? Well, in American culture, This is easy because go west, young man. Take it. It's easy to look at authority and question authority and go, how it's It's easy in America. What about, example, how did America even happen? Like, we didn't like the game, so we took our ball, jumped the pond, and started our own country, right? That, I mean, that's, that's kind of in our culture. But if we go to any other culture where there's high respect and honor to elders and authorities, this carries intensified weight. How Peter and John are standing up. And they're speaking boldly the story that they can tell, that they've experienced. We can start off on the right path filled with purpose and power from God and slowly erode into a self-guided, wandering isolationist. This is why it is important to continually be in God's word and in the council of many, and in relationships, so that we're reminded what it's about, and we share the stories along the way, and we mourn with each other when it's time to mourn, we celebrate with each other when it's time to celebrate, and we never forget where God has taken us from. As a pastor and as Christians, this scares me. Does God doing a new thing in our life threaten us? Are we scared of change? Do we think we know better than God? Remember when Christians back in the old days were dipped in oil, And used as torches for Nero's social parties? Remember these stories? Remember how Christianity didn't die then? Can you look through history and see how Christianity has not died? How it's only gaining power? And it's only moving forward? Why? Because Jesus' name will be known. God will be glorified. He's done doing the old things and he's going to keep doing the new things with or without us. The problem is if it's without us, we miss it along the way. Church, are we asking God for the fruits of the Spirit? And I'm going to end with this. Are we asking God for the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance, and and against such things there is no law. I think it's kind of interesting that he said against such things there is no law. The fruit of our Spirit as Christians should be love. If there is even a hint of religiosity in us, it kills love. If there's even a hint of what these 70 people came to do the Mishnah and to obey and stop telling the stories and they get here and they say, do this, do this, do this. If there's any of that, even a hint of religiosity in us, it kills love in us completely. There's no fruit of the Spirit in us. Even a hint of proudly judging others, kills the Spirit. I once tried to be the Holy Spirit and I was terrible at it. Imagine if you've ever tried to be the Holy Spirit in someone else's life. You've been terrible at it as well. Okay. Let's stop right there. Is that, is that good? I'm going to pick this up again tomorrow because I could go for another 30 minutes and... We won't do that. (laughs) I'm hoping today what we're getting is we're getting at how to look at Scripture and really to go at it and to ask some brilliant questions and see what God has done through time with this beautiful message of freedom. That if along the way we distort the message, we're going to look up only five, six Generations from now, five, six days from now, and want to be so off target, it's not even funny. We've made it about us and not about God. We've missed the miracles in our life because we want to know by whose power, whose authority are you doing this? We stopped celebrating crippled man dancing. We stop celebrating the miracles in our life which if you're having a problem seeing miracles in your life take a deep breath and start there. We each have incredible stories of how we've been set free of how he loves us. Of how he's killing the religiosity in us. Are we going to embrace that relationship? Or are we proudly going to take our position to be authority givers of the word? God, I want to pray for us today. I pray that in this place, you take each of us back. Take us back. Back to the beginning. Back to that moment in our life when we realized how much you loved us. Regardless of what we've done or haven't done, that moment where where, where you just drowned us with your love. That moment when maybe for the first time we realized. We're not the aliases that Satan's been calling over us and declaring over us, but we are sons and daughters of a king. We are set free. That God, you loved us intensely and gave everything for us. That moment we realized it for the first time. Take us back there and remind us of then. Remind us of what that was like. And God, I pray for your people, I pray for me, I pray for us in this room and anyone listening to this. That God, if we've moved away from your heart at all, from that moment till now, would you please break our heart? Would we be a people that would return back to your heart? And that God, if, if we've been trying to live life on our own and, and pride has been entering in, please break our heart. Take us back to your heart, God. And if God, along the way, people have been declaring bad things over us and yelling at us and telling us how we don't amount to whatever it may be or we're not following your laws and the Mishnah, God, please break our heart to return back to you to listen to you. May we find our identity in you. May all this be about you. And God, tomorrow morning and this afternoon, when you show us and do miracles in our life and crippled men start dancing in our life, may we not care how it happened may we just care that it happened and may we stand and dance jump praising your name for how you've moved in our life and may we give you credit and glory for everything in our life may our identities be deeply rooted in you God Kill any ounce of religiosity in us, any ounce of pride, and may the world see you through our lives.